Accessing library computer data. Level 9 authorization required. Command codes verified. Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who also happen to have children on the autism spectrum. We talk about the new Star Trek Discovery TV series, as well as any autism issues we see along the way. I am your host, Elizabeth, and with me is my co-host, Vicki. Hi, I'm Vicki. We are Moms Going Boldly. Welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, the Star Trek Discovery podcast featuring myself, Elizabeth, and my co-host and dear friend, Vicki. And we're back after a long and unexpected, unplanned hiatus that felt like it was 930 years. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so um, for our long-term listeners, my apologies. I had a hard drive crash that cascaded into a load of events. And the next thing we know, years have passed. Life does that sometimes, and it's annoying. But we're back. We made it through the wormhole. Yep. And we're ready for season three. Now, while we were on our unplanned, unexpected hiatus it's like the unexpected party right the unexpected hiatus you produced some really cool podcasts of your own um you started doing a really fun podcast from the science fiction television show eureka yeah that podcast is called yeah that can't be good and then when you finished that up you started doing a podcast for the show the 13th warehouse right both of which triggered me to sit down and watch those shows and they're both a lot of fun oh good i'm glad they are a lot of fun I have to say I haven't watched Warehouse as much as Eureka. This is only our second time through. And if anybody listens to the podcast, you understand we remember nothing about the first time through. (laughs) But um, Eureka has been one of my favorites for years. And it's embarrassing to admit how many times I've seen it all the way through. So I was glad I could get people to do the podcast with me. I think you should wear your Eureka Pride. It's a cute show. Oh, I love it. It really is. Yeah, I'm just embarrassed. You know, it's five seasons. I spent a lot of time watching five seasons over and over six times or seven times. Yeah, I think I, I think that's awesome. Gosh, you know, I do the same thing with Star Trek. Well, so do so I. Many times. Yeah, so do I. And I'm also a big fan of the Stargate. And we've talked about before at Stargate. Right. Right. The um, SG-1. Really enjoy that too. So right. I've seen that multiple times as well. Yeah, like you, I can quote stuff from that. Yeah. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery, and we're going to start with the first episode of season three, which is called The Hope That Is You, part one. When we start this episode, we last saw Michael Burnham and Discovery plunging into a wormhole in the middle of a huge space battle. You know I love space battles. Yes. Huge space battle, fighting control, fighting Section 31 to keep the sphere data out of control's hands, because if they don't, Control is going to use this sphere data to destroy all life in the universe. So it's like the biggest stakes ever. And they're doing this Hail Mary play through the wormhole to the future. Right. So we we start the, the episode and we see Michael Burnham going through the wormhole. She comes through the wormhole in orbit of, of a planet that looks like Earth, but it's not Earth. And it's got all kinds of space debris. That's our view when... The wormhole opens and Michael comes barreling through and she's crashing into a ship 
that's trying to escape another ship. And that's all we know. Her flight suit is damaged. The ship is damaged. They both plunge to the surface of the planet. My favorite scene right there is the scene where you see a beautiful butterfly-like animal land on top of the dark ash and get eaten. Yeah, right. Which, of course, is the metaphor for nothing beautiful survives on this planet. Exactly. (laughs) We got our hint right there that this is not going to be an easy place to land. Originally, when she first landed, I thought they didn't fix it. I thought that this was a barren planet, you know, the the future that they were trying to fix. That was my first thought. Which is a really good thought. And I'm wondering if they did that on purpose to make us feel that it was a failure. It's possible, yeah. Because that was absolutely my first thought. And I didn't pick up on that, but you're absolutely right. That would have been a nice twisty thing to add there to kind of make us wonder if that had actually, if they had actually succeeded. Right. Well, she plunges to the earth, lands in a whole lot of what looks like volcanic soil. It looks like this was filmed in Iceland. I think it was. So it's very starkly beautiful. I didn't know that until like last week or something. Yeah. I don't know what I was watching or reading. I had no idea they filmed this in Iceland. But it's odd that you said that because I only learned that a couple of weeks ago. And I think Iceland is really, at least the things that I've seen of it that have been like, you know, I've seen it in like, you know, they filmed Thor, The Dark World. You know, part of it was filmed there. Very starkly beautiful. And I feel like I saw it someplace else recently, too. But anyway, so she lands in the soil. She pulls herself out. She desperately asks the computer to tell her if their mission was a success. And the computer reports that there is life and that they succeeded. And her joy is really phenomenal. I really like her acting. I do too, yes. The joy was visceral that she, you know, the success, they succeeded. It was just like they saved the universe. It was phenomenal. And then she went in a heartbeat from joy to profound sadness as she realized that she was alone and that everything that she loved was had been left behind except for Discovery. And I can't remember, did she, did she query the computer first to look for Discovery before she started to cry or after? Oh, I don't remember either. And I, I, and I, I wish I had paid a little bit closer attention. When did she actually send off the red suit? She sent off the red suit after her sadness because then she realized the wormhole was closing above her. So she needed to get the red suit out right. of that time frame. So that's when that happened. But anyway, I just was so impressed with the acting range from that incredible joy at their success at saving the world to the deep, profound sadness of leaving everything behind almost a thousand years in the past. I was just so impressed when I watched that. Yeah, me too. No, she's great. So anyway, she pulls herself out of the dirt. She gets herself going. She's got her Starfleet emergency kit with her. And she goes and finds the ship she damaged that she saw had crashed. She followed the smoke. And she goes and finds this guy who is not happy to see her because he felt that he thought she did on purpose. Yes. Then begins a really, I think, really enjoyable relationship. It starts off antagonistically. She's trying to talk him into, you know, helping her. He's just not having anything to do with it. He's very secretive. He's very resistant. He's, you know, and he is reflective of the same kind of thing we saw with the animal eating the butterfly. This is not a happy place. This is not a welcoming place. It's very protected. It's very defensive. And he was the embodiment of that. But she finally convinces him to help her. And he says, okay, well, if I'm going to help you, we need dilithium. And so they're going to go to the city that's on this planet, Requiem, which was, you know, no symbology there, right? Right, right. (laughs) As they're 
walking to Requiem, he tells her about the fall of the Federation, and he tells her about something called the burn. Now, I'm going back to what I thought when I first watched this. As soon as they said something about the burn, I immediately thought that whatever Burnham and Discovery did caused the burn. Oh, interesting. No, I did not think that. I did not think that. That would have been a cool turn, that twist, you know, to save the universe, they caused this catastrophe. That would be very bittersweet and a powerful plot twist. That's what I immediately thought. Interesting. Yeah, no, I didn't think that, but cool. So she's, of course, shocked by this. This moment I actually kind of had a hard time with because it's been 930 years and... I didn't see how it could be so shocking that the Federation didn't exist anymore after 930 years. Right, especially in the the fact that in their time, like, we're used to the Federation and the Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and Voyager. But in Discovery's time, it was relatively new. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know why that would be so shocking. If it had been around as long as, you know, it had been when we were at Deep Space Nine or Voyager, yeah, maybe it would be shocking, but it was relatively new. And from my perspective, you know, if you think in terms of, say, the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire didn't last for 900 years. Right. So, I, you know, from the standpoint of historical empires, and there may be empires that I'm not considering that did last for, you know, a thousand years, that just didn't seem so shocking to me. And so I was kind of curious as to her shock, but you know, maybe her shock was that, you know, she just came from it. It should still exist. I mean, that maybe it was, we'll call it time tramp, transplant. Sure, time. exactly. Because yesterday it existed. Yeah, in her exactly. mind. Yeah. Then they moved into the city of Requiem where they have to get the dilithium. And you learn that this place is only accessible to official couriers of the Andorians and the Orions working together. Book gets her in even though she's not an official courier, and then sets her up to be captured because he needs the dilithium and he thinks she's nuts. <laughs> right. Which leads to one of the funniest scenes I have ever seen and another moment where I admired her acting skills so much. She's given some kind of truth serum. I have a friend with red hair. Don't ever give her this. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> so funny. I enjoyed that so much because she's trying to maintain her composure, but she can't because of the truth serum. And she was hilarious. It was funny. It was really funny. And it was perfect, too, as far as like the pacing and the timing and the way the story went, because it could have taken itself too seriously at this moment. She's the woman out of time. She's here. She's saved the universe. And why aren't you believe me? And, you know, she's going to she could have been all serious. And instead it was. (laughs) <laughs> funny as all get out and yeah I, I it was delightful i really enjoyed it so she manages to pull herself together enough where she implicates book and they go to find book and then she and book break out they grab the dilithium they escape which of course means they make enemies because that's important right at the beginning you have to have an adventure and make enemies that are going to chase you through the rest of the series right? absolutely and they escape using these this portable transporter and that series of scenes is also quite fun because it needs 30 seconds to recharge so they're escaping and then the bad guys are tracking them and then they have to run and then they escape again and the bad guys track them again and finally they get to a place where they're safe and you get to see that book is not the 
tough guy that, and we know this from the very beginning, because if he wasn't such a tough guy, he probably wouldn't have let her tag along. Sure. So, and you can see the conflict in him, and now you get to see a little bit more underneath the tough exterior, and he's got some abilities that enable him to communicate with plants and animals, and he helps her heal herself, and then they get back to his ship, and they discover what he had been running from at the very beginning when he was being chased by another ship. He had kidnapped an endangered animal oh and i just lost the name of the animal what was it what kind of species was well, it? well they named it maui and it was some kind of worm yes yes um, but it was huge transworm transworm exactly yeah. named molly and he was essentially rescuing this transworm from being eaten as a delicacy yes the transworm's design reminded me of do you remember the cave worms in star trek voyager from the episode basics when the kazon stranded the crew on that primal planet oh yes yes okay and they had these worms in the caves that had multiple legs that's what molly reminded me of a little bit those of those worms that ate people (laughs) (laughs) so anyway he actually is rescuing these trans worms and taking them to sanctuary worlds where they can be kept safe and now you learn that he too is a softy underneath his exterior he is like michael in that he's out to save something important Mm -hmm. and and he's willing to risk his life to do it and he's like michael in that he is something beautiful on this in this harsh environment like that butterfly yes we're gonna pause right here for a quick break we'll be right back hey dud gramley here from yeah that can't be good Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at EurekaRewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. And we're back. They earn each other's mutual respect here, and they take the transform to the sanctuary world, and then he takes Michael to this station. We see the station at the very, very beginning of the episode. We see this man getting out of bed over and over again and going and sitting at a desk. Right. And, and we don't know who he is, and we don't know what he's all about until this very last scene of the episode where Book takes her to see this man. And he calls himself the Federation Liaison. Yes. His name is Sahil. Mm-hmm. And he's essentially the, one of the last bastions of the Federation still hanging on. And I couldn't help but think of, like, the last Roman centurion <laughs> hanging on. Yeah. You know, like, anyway, so he's sitting in his outpost. And because he exists, the Roman Empire still exists. And because Sahil exists. The Federation still exists. So she shows up. She identifies herself as Commander Michael Burnham. You know, this is what he's been waiting for his whole life, is for someone from Starfleet to appear. So he tells her that he has, you know, he will help her find Discovery because he's going to monitor the communications net. And she gives him a, a commission which he had said to her, I can't raise the Federation flag because I'm not a commissioned officer and only a commissioned officer can do it. Right. And it's a very moving scene. It was, yes. Where she says, I will raise the flag and I'm going to commission you as a communications chief 
to search for discovery for me. And I, I actually got myself a little all choked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, watching it. So anyway, and that was essentially the episode. And I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good episode. What did you think? I enjoyed it. I did. But again, I'm trying to think of what I thought the first time around. When I first watched it back in 2020, I remember being number one annoyed and impatient about the fact that they were separated. Oh, okay. After the first episode, I was like, oh no, we're going to keep going back and forth. Because after years of watching The Walking Dead, this is what they always did. Something huge would happen, and then there would be no follow-up on the huge thing. We would go to one section of the people that were separated. The next week, we'd go to the other half of the people that were separated. And we'd go back and forth. I was nervous that this was going to be a whole season of them living in two separate spaces. Yeah. Before they got together. I mean, I imagined eventually she would find them or they would find her. But I was really... Sort of a mid-season climax. Yeah, I was really yeah. like, oh no, we're not going to do this. <laughs> uh, yes, okay. And you know, I didn't have that fear, but I would have agreed with you 100% if that had been the case. I would have been irritated as well. So I'm glad I didn't know about that tricky trickiness. <laughs> oh, that's all I could think of. And I was like, no, no, no. I mean, I liked the episode as it stood, but I think I was distracted by the concern that we were just going to go back and forth between Michael and the ship for yeah. who knows how long. Yeah, I agree with that. Other thoughts? You know, I liked it. I liked all the callbacks to all the recognizable things. You know, the Orions, the Andorians. Yeah. And actually, I didn't even notice the first time I watched it. There was a Morn species. I don't know what Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that too. And I even said, Morn. Uh, what is his species? We, we I don't know if we've ever been told, have we? No, I think you're probably right. We haven't been told. In that episode, Who Mourns for Mourn in Deep Space Nine, they made it sound like he was a member of a particular species. Remember, he was yes. the crown prince crown of prince, the, yes. whatever. But then I don't know if that was just a story or whether he was a member of that species. And I can't remember what I, planet he was from. Yeah, I don't know. Or, or he, they claimed he was from. You're lucky I remember Mourn's name because I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible at names and species. <laughs> Lucepian? Maybe he was Lucepian? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure but I ever heard it. The Latinum was from the Lucepian Mother's Day heist, if memory serves. Oh, okay. Or maybe that was just happened to be where the, the Latinum was and they, you know, they were from different planets. Yeah. So I really appreciated from this that they planted some seeds of the mysteries that were going to need to be resolved in this episode. Like, yes. why is there no dilithium? And what is the burn? Right. And, you know, and then what, what in detail actually happened as far as how the Federation fell apart, etc. I mean, we got a little bit of breadcrumbs, but not enough that we weren't interested in learning more. Oh, sure. And of course, and, the mystery of where discovery is. Yeah, sure. But, you know, the burn, that's not being explained because nobody seems to know what it was or what caused right. it. So, yeah, I, I thought as far as this first episode going into this third season, this, I was going to say the first season, no, the third season, first episode going into third season, I found it very satisfying. And, you know, I feel like they get, they're getting their writing together really well. We're familiar with our characters now. We understand them. Yes. And so we're invested in them, which is really tough. And, you know, as I'm watching lots of new series coming out, I'm realizing over and over again, it's very hard as a writer and I think for the writers to really get us invested in the characters because that's what helps carry the story forward. Because if you're not invested in your characters, it, it doesn't matter. And I think that's one of the reasons why consistently 
we see first, maybe second season of all the previous Star Treks kind of struggle a little bit because we're still working on getting those characters to gel. Right. And then once you get into the third season and forward, you really start to see a lot of great stories because those characters are really well framed. And as the audience, we're really invested in them and we're willing to follow them. Yes. 930 years into the future. (laughs) (laughs) So the next episode is called Far From Home. So we will talk about that in our next podcast any closing comments on the hope that is you part one which by the way notice how the next episode is not part two exactly yes i did notice that when i first watched it yeah but there's another one of those i don't want to give away spoilers for people who might not have seen this series yet but there's another episode well the hope that is you part two does take place in this season right it's just not the next but is is there i'll cut this out if i'm in the wrong series is there <laughs> part three of something that we haven't seen yes okay okay there is all right there, yeah, yeah i've got the episode list right in front of me and you're right and we won't go any further um so we won't have any spoilers so that before people have an opportunity to watch this even though it's been out for a year but you know that's, yeah. that's the glory of streaming right you can watch it whenever you know, from doing the eureka podcast i've seen so many people comment on how because of the pandemic mostly yes but oh my god i just found this series i've never seen it that's the same thing that Um, happened to us we've never seen it i started watching it because your podcast yeah so there still could be people who haven't seen this and they might be watching it now in order to prepare for For, season four right which do we have a release date for season four yet i keep looking but not that i've seen yeah i haven't seen it either and then we've just got a plethora of star trek that's out there now have you seen um lower decks i've seen it i mean i i have it on it's not something I feel like I have yeah. to really pay attention to to follow the plot. So, yeah, um, it's cute. Yes, it is. It's something to watch when I don't feel like I have to think about things. <laughs> and then, what about uh, Star Trek Prodigy? Have you heard about that? I've heard about it. I, it's not out yet, right? No, it's coming. Okay. Yeah, so. I've heard about it. Um, I know Kate Mulgrew and Robert Beltran. Cool. But otherwise, I don't know what it's about. I didn't really look into it all that much. I have not looked into it that much either. And then we have the um, Captain Pike series. Right, which they're claiming is going to be episodic and not serialized. Which, you know, there's there's something to be said about episodic. And yes. there's, they can be a lot of fun. What, what I call the ship in the bottle stories. They yeah. just begin and end in the same place, which yeah. is good. So we got a lot of great Star Trek to look forward to. And I'm excited. And then, of course, we haven't really talked about Picard. We talked about it a little bit when you guessed it on my podcast yeah but, and i told you then i did end up liking it but i struggled through at least four episodes yeah before i even cared about what was going on because it didn't seem like much of anything was happening yeah i don't know which episode i stopped at but i stopped and i was just like that's not doing it for me <laughs> <laughs> and there were so many people that i loved that i wanted to see see how they were going and see how this was going but it was just just couldn't do it. It was not connecting with me. Yeah, it was a struggle at the beginning. It really was. It seemed like I watched the first episode for months and I just couldn't get through it. So I bet you it took me a good year to actually get through the first four episodes to finish. Really? Yeah. But once I did, I did like it. I, I mean, I wasn't expecting it to be like TNG. 
So I really didn't have any expectations about what it was going to be about. I didn't have any expectations either. You know, I, I didn't expect it to be like TNG either. But what it was was just not meeting my needs. Right, right. And that's fine. <laughs> and I think we'll just leave it at that. Right. And that's fine. Everybody doesn't have to like every single Star Trek. Exactly. Right. And it's right. all good. Yeah. All right. Well, that, I think, um, wraps up this episode of Moms Going Boldly. And so we will be looking at Far From Home in the next episode and talking about that. And very excited to be jumping back into Discovery and talking about Season 3. Okay. Right. So, yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter, at Moms Going Boldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter, at Ross Bugden. Licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. Transfer complete.